Let's open our Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to start there. We've been looking at a series of, of uh, lessons in 1 Timothy 6, and this verse here, 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of the faith. Fight the good fight of the faith. And, and uh, that's the, the third part of it. The first part is flee, the second is follow, and the third is fight. And so just a little bit of review to flee... There's a time to run. There's a time to run for our lives in this Christian life. There's times we need to get out of there and, and do what we need to do and seek safety by flight. There's also a time to pursue, a time to follow, a time to seek after God. Seek after God himself and all the things that are in the, in the scripture that he provides for us. We need to get them from him. We can't sort of whip these things up in our eyes. We need to seek after God and the things he provides. And then the, the third part of that is to fight. There is a time to fight. There is a time for battle. And I'm not keeping up here. There we go. There's a time for battle to, to fight the good fight. That's what he says here. Again, to uh, reiterate the meaning of this word fight. It's to struggle or to contend with adversaries. To struggle. The word is agonizomai. There's a, like an agonizing struggle that we are called to fight. And that's what Paul's telling Timothy, to agonize the agonizing fight. The battle that you certainly will. And you and I will all kind of face. So I want to ask you today, how is your battle going along? We've been talking about this for a little while. How's your battle going along? Are you guys doing okay? Any of you getting beaten up? Sometimes that happens, right? So what do you do then? Just give up? Fold? Fold them up? No, it's a time to fight. Keep fighting. Keep, keep fighting. And part of that is pursuing after God and seeking after His help in that. We're going to talk in this uh, second part of this uh, fighting message uh, that, that we're pretty much helpless unless we get his help to, to fight this fight. We can't do it on our own. We can't make it on our own. How many rounds have we got to fight? I like that, all of them. <laughs> how many is that? We don't know. We don't know how many. Each of us has a different time. I was talking with someone at the huddle. We had a great time, by the way. Uh, and just a wonderful, uh, encouraging and challenging time together. But somebody, uh, we were talking about this, that, you know, God has a, a time for our lives, each one of us. Uh, uh, and, and there's going to be a day when we will be called home. But until that last bell sounds, and each of us, you know, don't all necessarily have the same bell unless the rapture happens and we all go at that point in time, each of us has maybe a different number of rounds, and we can't really look around and compare to everybody. Well, you know, he's, he, he, look at him. He doesn't have anything going on in his life. You know, what's God doing in my life? What are the battles that I'm being called to face, the, the battlefronts? We looked, those uh, first two we looked at last time, the world, the flesh, and the devil. We looked at the world. The world is the, uh, the first one we talked about, this world in rebellion to God, and, and we saw that, the Bible tells us, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. 
And that we are not of the world, we are in the world, but we're not of the world, but we're, we're aliens, we're strangers in this world system. Now Jesus came as a savior of the world, we, we know that, but not everybody believes and trusts in him. But everyone of God, uh, 1 John tells us, everyone that's born of God overcomes the world. So we need to keep fighting the good fight. And the second one is the flesh where, where we have this battle. We have this battle, our own weak flesh. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We have to fight against our own flesh. And sometimes that's not a very pleasant thing, but, you know, it's what we're called to do. We need to do it. And then the third thing here is, is what we're going to talk about today is the devil. I remember Keith Green wrote a song so many years ago, <clears throat> and it was about Satan, and it was about the, the, the theme of it is, that, is this, that they don't believe in me anymore. Speaking about the enemy, Satan, the devil, that, that they, he, he had done such a good job of kind of making it seem like he didn't exist, that they don't really believe in me anymore, so pretty much he can do anything he wants to do. Well, that's one of his tactics. That's one of the things that he does. But to be truthful about this uh, subject, I don't like to personally give him any more time than necessary. I don't like to give him any more credit than necessary. He likes it when we give him attention. He likes it when we give him credit for, for things that he can't do. Or, for example, battles of the flesh. Now, he might be inciting different you know, temptations and things like that, but, but when we're fighting against the flesh, let's be clear, we're fighting against our own flesh. Let's not blame the devil for everything. The devil made me do it. You remember that? Now I know how old you are. <laughs> he, can't, he can't make us do anything. It's so, you know, you can study, it's a whole subject in itself, but he is a created being. He is a fallen angel. That's what the Bible teaches us. And Jesus is the creator. He's the one who created all things. I've heard this you know, ridiculous notion that, you know, you have Jesus on one side and you have Satan on the other side, and they're pretty much equal. And one is the dark side and one is the, the light side. That's complete ridiculousness. There, there's no comparison. They're not on any sort of level in some false teaching. You know, they're, they're like brothers. Have you heard that? It's ridiculous. No such thing. No such thing at all. <clears throat> Not long after we became believers, we were uh, part of a small group fellowship, a small Bible study, and uh, the leader of this group who actually happened to be the, the gentleman who told me about Jesus, pointed me to Christ, uh, but he began to get kind of off balance, began to get into an area uh, which uh, you know, they call the deliverance ministry. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you know. You kind of go off into this area, and, and it's like this focus becomes the enemy. The focus becomes Satan. The focus be, becomes what he can do. And, and, and it's kind of like, like this. There's a demon under every bush. Everywhere you look, there's a demon. So they begin to get credit for everything. And they were also teaching what I believe a, a, a terribly false doctrine that born-again Christians who are filled with the Spirit can also have demons living inside of them. Absolute uh, untruth. And I'll 
point out why in a little bit. But the thing about this is that, that what, what occurred, and, and, and I, I, just, I still remember experiencing this, what, what was created was fear. That's what was created, fear. And that's one of the big tactics. I was thinking about what's happening in Israel right now where uh, the people are doing things and they're, they're, they're creating this atmosphere of fear where you don't know where somebody might all of a sudden come out with a knife or a gun and start shooting or stabbing people. And so there's this heightened sense of fear, and that's what the enemy's trying to do uh, in, in the land of Israel. But, but I, I think there's a, a correlation with what our enemy, the enemy of our souls, wants to do as well. He wants to create this fear within us. And I think if we focus on him, that's what's going to come, fear. But if we focus on Jesus, that's a very big difference. We will find that, that we, we don't have to fear. We don't need to fear. I heard somebody quote this verse the other week, and uh, I really like it, 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Remember that, Joe? He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. That's who we're talking about here. The Lord is faithful. You know, we don't need to fear because the Lord is faithful. And he will strengthen us and protect us from the evil one. So... I want you to turn with me, first of all, we're going to look at some various scriptures, but let's turn, first of all, to 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, <clears throat> I'll try to make this somewhat easy for you. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse It says here, Jesus Christ, the last part of verse 21, 1 Peter chapter 3, that Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. 22? What did I say? The last part of 21 going into 22. Angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. They are in submission to Jesus. Again, we are born again. We are trusted in Jesus, have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He is the one that we look to. And all angels, authorities, and powers are in submission to him. Satan fits into that category. He's not on the same level in any way, shape, or form. He's in submission under the authority of Jesus. Turn ahead to 1 Peter chapter 5. Just a page ahead or so. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. He says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. This gives us a little bit more of a picture about what's going on here. He's prowling around like a roaring lion. Now, one of the scariest things about a lion is what? Is the roar, right? I mean, if you've got a lion roaring in your face, what are you going to do? 
It's going to create fear inside of you. And again, I think that's one of his key tactics as well, because I've heard it, I've heard it said and, and uh, it, it put it this way that, yeah, he's got a big roar, but he's got no teeth. See? And we'll talk about that at the very end here. But again, the context here is that we're fighting the good fight of the faith, and, and one of the fronts that we fight on is this enemy, this, this enemy that is called Satan. It's called the deceiver. He's called the, the uh, uh, deceiver of the brethren, the accuser of the brethren. That's what I was thinking of. Thank you. And <clears throat> he says he's prowling around. He's looking for someone to devour, and we're called to resist him, standing firm in the faith knowing that, that this is a battle that we're all facing. He doesn't like believers, by the way. Did you know that? He's not happy with you if you've trusted in Christ. But we're called to resist him, and I, I like what James says. We won't turn there now, but James says when you resist him, guess what? He will flee from you. Now, there are times when we need to, we need to flee certain situations, but when we resist the enemy, he, it says, must flee from us. So that's a pretty, pretty big word to resist him. Does that apply to you and I? Well, I think it does. Now, let me ask you this. Is Satan himself after you personally? If you think he is, you need a little bit of understanding about pride in humility, because, because there is only one Satan, okay? Now, now, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are omnipresent. They can be all, in all places at all times. God is, that's one of the attributes of God, omniscient. They know all things. But Satan is a created being, right? He is not in all places at all times. He does not know all things. He is not all-powerful. He's not in any way, shape, or form on that same level, as I've been trying to say, and I hope is making some kind of sense. Just nod your head if it makes any sense. Okay. So he's not on that level at all, you see, but so he's limited to one place at one time. And so I think he probably has bigger fish to fry than us here in North Kingstown, Rhode Island. Do you think? Now, does that mean that he's not bothering with us? No, because he has helpers, you see. He has lots of helpers. He has a, a whole, whole boatload of fallen angels that are, are assisting him. And so when this says resist him, it's not just him personally, but his, his, his situation, his system, his, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see in the book of Ephesians where it talks about, you know, the, the kind of the organization that he has. So, uh, you know, you and I are, are not free from the battle just because Satan himself isn't coming to us. He's looking, he's dealing with people like the Antichrist and, and different world leaders. I think he's on a different sort of plane than you and I are, which that's a little scary when you think about it, isn't it? But, but again, who do we look to? Where do we look for, for the courage to fight this fight? We look to Jesus himself. Let's turn ahead to 1 John chapter 4, another verse. And this is such a powerful verse, 1 John 4, 4. It's like a 44. 
And, and the reason I say that is because, as I mentioned earlier, when I was involved in that group, I didn't know a lot. I was a, pr I was a pretty young believer, and I was, I was in that group, and, and there was so much fear. But you know what? God brought me out of it. God delivered me from it. But this is one of the verses that kind of gave me the strength because, because uh, I didn't have it. And I didn't know. I didn't understand. But look at 1 John 4, 4. It says this, You... Dear children are from God and have overcome them. He's talking about the spirit and, and uh, <clears throat> spirits in the first verses there. He says, you have overcome them. Why? Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. That's something we got to remember. You know, when the fear starts to, to bear down on us, listen, I've got Jesus Christ living within me. The, the obvious thing for me back then was, you know what, it's not, it's not greater is the one living in me than the one living in me, right? That's not what it says, right? The one who's in the world. If you have Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living within you, Satan would like to try to tell you all kinds of stuff, but he can't live within you. He can fight against you, and believe me, he does. And he will, but greater is the one. This is where our overcoming comes from. Having Jesus Christ living within us. Greater is the one who's in you than he who is in the world. It's always been that way. It will always be that way. There will never be anything different than that. Serious business, though. I notice you've gotten very quiet here talking about these kinds of things. It's, it's not comfortable, but it's, it's reality. We live in this world. We live in, in these bodies. We live uh, in a, a spiritual uh, uh, dynamic that there, there's spiritual warfare that's taking place. We need to be prepared. We're not ignorant, the Bible says, of his devices. We're not ignorant of his schemes so that he can just run all over us. But the one who's in me is greater than that one. The one who's in me is greater than all the ones that he has put together even. Turn ahead to uh, the book of Jude. Again, I'm trying to make this easy for you as far as where we're turning today. James, Peter, John, and Jude. So that's Jude right before the book of Revelation. Just ahead a couple of pages. There's still a serious side to this that I want to make clear. Look in verse 9. <clears throat> Jude, uh, verse 9, he says, But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, he did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Now, we can't do this fighting, again, in our own name, in our own flesh. There were guys in the book of Acts who tried to do that. Matter of fact, I was speaking with somebody, at the, again, at the huddle, and they were talking about one of their children who uh, is not walking with Jesus and was involved with some pretty scary stuff in, in this whole realm. And, and he tried to fight the enemy, and the enemy pretty much jumped back on him. 
That's what it says in the book of Acts 2. He says even here, the archangel Michael, he didn't, he didn't mess around and try to do it in his own strength and in his own, in his own name. He says, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. If you're in a spiritual battle, remember it's the Lord. It's the Lord that's going to fight that fight. We need to call upon His name. The Lord rebuke you. That's important to know. That's important in this fight. Now let's turn back to Ephesians chapter 6, one of the most important passages in spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, if you want to turn there with me. He says in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Be strong in who? In the Lord and in His mighty power. He says there's a battle taking place. It's not, it's not just what you can see. And I think, I think this, this has been made clear over and over. It's not just what you see. It's not just the people that are in front of you. There's, there's spiritual battles that are taking place in, in realms that we can't see. It's not just flesh and blood. It's not just the things that you can touch and see and hear. He says, notice that there, he says there are authorities, there are powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's like the, a hierarchy, there's like a, a whole kind of a, a war a army that has been like assembled. But I want to say to you, to you today, and I'll say it over and over again, that greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. Any of these here because of he who is in you. Be strong in the Lord and his, in his mighty power, and they don't stand a chance. That's why, that's why James said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We don't have to have fear. We don't need to be afraid. Look what he says in verse 13. He says to put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, he says. Over and over, he's talking about this idea that we need to stand our ground. That we need to stand firm. And then he goes to outline the different parts of the armor, the full armor of God, the first one he talks about. And I find this interesting. He says in verse 14, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt of truth. Right. The first thing he mentions is that the truth buckled around your waist, right around the very center of who you are. And, and I think it kind of gives us a stomach for it. Because we know the truth. And we have the truth. And of course, one of the biggest things that we need to know is the truth that's found in this book. That's why we teach the Bible. That's why we, we study it. That's why we encourage people to read it, to have the truth. What's going what's gonna to give you the stomach? What's going to hold your core together? It's the truth. 
I might also add, though, too, uh, this idea of truth in terms of the opposite lies. Now, Satan, in, in uh, John chapter 8, Jesus said Satan was what? The father of lies. It says that was his native language, it says in one version. And, and he kind of, that's his trade and stock. You can't believe what he is trying to say. So we're to be people of truth. We need to be honest people. You know, we can get caught in little lies. Well, that's just a little white lie, and the white lie becomes a blue lie and a green lie and a red lie, and it, it starts to, you know, kind of snowball, and pretty soon before you know it, we are so caught up, we don't even know what is the truth anymore. And that puts us in a vulnerable, vulnerable position. First thing he says to put on the belt of truth, the truth of God, the truth of who he is, the truth of his word, and the truth of, of life and, and honesty. The second thing he says there is to have the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate of righteousness in place. And, and really kind of that's like protecting our heart. And righteousness is, is the, this concept of being right with God and right with other people. Being right with God and right with other people. And, we, and it's, it's His righteousness that He gives to us. But we need to have that in place. When we're not right with God, when we're not right with Him, when we're not right with the people around us, that it, our heart is kind of in a vulnerable position for attack. The schemes. So that we can take our schemes against, or take our stand against the devil's schemes, it said earlier. Do we have the breastplate of righteousness in place? The belt of truth. The third thing he, he mentions there in verse 15, he says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Kind of an interesting verse, this, this readiness, that your feet have the shoes on, or the right kind of shoes. And, and, and to me it speaks about this ability to move. When you got the wrong shoes on, it's like, you know, the proverbial, you know, running the race with lead boots, right? With cement shoes. It's not going to be easy. So to have the gospel of peace, kind of our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, that we're ready. We're able to move. We're able to kind of, uh, you know, move around in that battle. And, and, and some of you are in, you know, involved in, in different kinds of, of boxing and, and uh, sports like that. You need to be able to move, right? If you've got the wrong shoes on, you're not going to you know, try to do that with cleats on, right? The gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. It's interesting. He talks about that in context of spiritual warfare. The gospel of peace. Again, this is, this is antithetical or, or op, opposite to this idea of fear. That we have the gospel of peace. We got his peace that lives within us. And, and we've, we, we so much, we got it tied to our feet. We got our, our feet buckled up with the, the gospel of peace. And, and that's what we bring out to the world. The next thing there, the shield of faith. Verse 16, in addition to all this, 
Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The flaming arrows of the evil one. We, we saw in uh, Peter, he talks about, you know, the roaring. And now he talks about flaming arrows, that he's shooting arrows at us. And if, we're not, and if we don't have a, a shield of faith, which, you know, faith basically is very simple. It's trusting in him, trusting in God. So I'm going to trust in you, God. These attacks are coming, but I'm going to trust in you. And when we put our trust and when we're holding our trust in him, that faith is being held up in it. And the, the flaming arrows, those, those attacks, you know, they, they sort of bounce off that. But when we're not trusting in him, again, they're, they're getting through. They're, they're, they're hitting us in different areas, different ways. I think, I think over and over to me, it gets so clear that that God is asking us, will you just trust me? Trust me. And for, for you and I to say, I trust you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go forward. I'm going to stand. I'm going to trust you. It's like holding up that shield of faith. The next thing there, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. That's pretty important. Why do I say that? Because so much of the battle gets... gets uh, gets to right here. You know, I don't, I don't know many of us are facing any kind of serious physical threats, though that may happen in our lifetimes here in this country. In many countries, there are serious physical threats because of their faith. It's happening. They, they uh, estimate that persecution of Christians is, is uh, in, the, in the last uh, century uh, is more than all the centuries combined previous to the time of Christ. Some, some kind of statistic like that. It's just increased to such an incredible extent. We at this point don't sense that. We don't face that, but it could happen. But for you and I, I think some of the attacks are, are up here. I know that's true. I, I face these kind of battles. Some of it are, are, are just my own flesh, right? Well, I don't want to. But some of them are, are, are attacks from Satan. You know, you can't. You don't have a chance. You, you're, you're, you're done. It's over. You're a, a reject. You're a failure. You are an idiot. How many of you heard those kinds of things? Put on the helmet of salvation. You know what? I'm saved. Yeah, maybe I am an idiot, but I'm saved. I'm a saved idiot. And that puts me in a whole different category, right? I'm saved. Satan, you can't have me. I'm saved. I belong to him. And that helps, that helps up here, this battleground we have up here in the head. Notice he said earlier to put on the full armor, the whole armor. It's, it's, it's good to have every one of these is good, but, you know, if, we're, if we've got, you know, the breastplate on, but we don't have the helmet on, we're kind of, we have these vulnerable weak, weak points, right? The weak spots. And I think, again, uh, we need to be helping each other, man. And, you know, it seems like you're, you've got a lot of these battles going on. You need, you need to put your helmet on. You're trying to fight without your helmet on. So on and so forth. And the last thing, which is the second to the last, really is the sword of the Spirit, which he says is the Word of God. 
I mentioned that already in, in terms of the belt of truth. He talks about truth, and then he talks about the Word of God, and they work to get, they pretty much, you know, the truth that is in the Word. And he says that's, a, that's like a sword of the Spirit. That's for us to actually, the only offensive weapon that's found in this list for us to actually fight with. Now, we have a very good example, don't we, of that? What, what, what is that? Anybody think of it? Somebody using the sword of the Spirit to fight with? Jesus on the mountain. Jesus in the wilderness, fighting against Satan. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 4. He, he, he was, uh, okay, let's face it, Satan himself was there with him, right? Yes. And we understand why, because he's Jesus, right? And, and so Satan tried to do all kinds of different things, all kinds of different tactics. He didn't just have one. There's four that's listed there. And what did he do? He fought him with the sword of the Spirit. He says, but it's written. But the word of the Scripture says it's written. This is what the Bible says. And for you and I, if we don't have the sword of the Spirit, we're not going to be able to do any kind of battle. We're not going to be able to take any ground. If we don't know what the Bible says, we're just like sitting ducks. Jesus fought with it. It's a good example for you and I to fight with it too, for us to, to know the Scripture. 2 Thessalonians 3.3. 3. Let me quote it again. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. For you to know that, to quote that. He will protect you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. One more, though, I find here in verse 18, which we're not going to look at the whole section there, but he says, and pray. He talks about all this armor that we put on, all this armor that we have, and the sword of the Spirit, and pray. Don't forget to pray. Don't forget to pray. Fight the good fight, he says. Put on the full armor. That's what you need to do and fight the good fight because it's a good fight and, and, and he wants us to, to take our stand. He wants us to stand. But one of the things that, that I want to point out to you now is really that it's not in our own strength. Not in our own strength. Look at the screen here, Colossians 1.29. He says, to this end I labor, struggling... Same word there as fight in 1 Timothy 6.12. Struggling, agonizing with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. His energy which so powerfully works in me. 2 Corinthians 10, he says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We've we're, we're, got a different program going here. We have, we have divine weapons that have divine power. They come from Him. They, they are given to us. The energy, the strength. Be strong in the Lord in the power of His might to demolish those strongholds. We saw one, the Lord rebuke you. I come, I stand in the name of Jesus, not in my name. Another powerful weapon found in the book of Revelation, it says they overcame him by two things, 
Can you tell me what they were? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Absolutely, the blood of the Lamb. You fight in the, with the power of the blood of Jesus. He hates that. He just does. They overcame Him, it says, because and with those two things. The blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. You know, your testimony is a very powerful thing. When I talk about that, and if I, uh, you know, I... I I love to hear people's testimonies, and, and uh, maybe you'd like to share your testimony sometime. We'll give you 30 seconds. No, I'll give you more time than that. But it's powerful, you know, and the enemy says, you know, you, you, your testimony doesn't mean anything. You didn't, you know, it, you, it's not strong enough. It's not powerful enough. Uh-uh. That's the enemy telling you that. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And your testimony is powerful. Don't ever be afraid to tell someone your story. Don't ever be afraid to tell someone your story, what Jesus has done in your life. Well, I don't know about all that, but let me just tell you what Jesus did in my life. Well, I can't answer all those questions, but I can tell you that Jesus came into my life and did something. He changed me. He's working in me. And it's powerful. The next thing I want to say is this, that the Lord fights for us. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. The Lord fights for us. That's a powerful statement in itself, isn't it? But you know, part of that that I found through the years is that we still need to show up. We need to show up and call upon His name. Deuteronomy chapter uh, 1, verse 30, The Lord your God who is going before you, He will fight for you as He did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. They saw it. He'll fight for you. You don't have to do it. You don't have to try to do it in the flesh. Try to do it in your own strength. The Lord will fight for you. Deuteronomy chapter 3, do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God Himself will fight for you. That's what was happening then, and I think the principle still holds true today. Again, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Now, the enemy doesn't want you to know that, that, that God is going to fight for you, that God is going to overcome the enemies. And you need to show up and you need to call on him, put on the, all this armor and hold up the shield of faith and pull out the sword of the Spirit. But ultimately, it's God that's going to win the victory. Ultimately, it's God that's fighting that battle. It's happened over and over and over again. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it says, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. We need to know that. That's part of the truth that we need to know. The battle is not mine. It's his. God, I don't know how I got into this situation, but the battle is yours. It's not mine. And, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hold on to you to get through this. I'm not going to give in to fear. I'm not going to give in to discouragement. For the battle is not mine, but it's yours. In that same chapter, and that's an incredible... 
you need to read that whole chapter. And I, you know, I know preachers always tell you, well, go back and read the whole chapter, and, and we never do. But it's a very good chapter, and if you think about it, you should go back and read the whole chapter because it's a whole thing and how God, how God really did exactly this. Well, look what he says. He says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Show up, in other words. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Go out to face them. Stand up. You've got to get into the fight. You've got to show up. And in that passage, we see that that's what they did. They showed up, and God did an incredible things. They sent, they sent the worship team out in front, by the way. They sent the, the praise and worship out ahead and, and, and the battle just like it just all happened and they didn't even have to fight. God did it all. Ultimately, that's what we're going to say in the end, right? God, you did it all. I just got to see. I just got to do. He said, before your very eyes, I just got to see what you did. But what usually happens is we get ourselves so worked up, don't we? We're going to fight this fight and, and we get ourselves so wound up and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, and it doesn't happen that way. What we need to do is, is call out to the Lord and pray and say, God, here we are. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to show up. Well, what are you going to do? Ultimately, when you think about these three battlefronts now as we wrap this up, and that gives me about another 15 minutes when I say wrap this up, by the way. Have you heard preachers say that too? Ultimately, when you think about these three battlefronts that we face, the world, the flesh, and the devil, you know what? Ultimately, it, it, they're all vanquished, right? The world, 1 John 2 says the world passes away. It's going to pass away. The flesh, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us what? We're going to get new bodies, right? And Revelation chapter 20 tells us about Satan and his end. It says that he is cast into the lake of fire. We already know that's the truth. That's, that's what it says. That's what the Bible declares. But the end, at the end of our lives, I want to be like Paul. I don't know about you, but I want to be like Paul and I want you to turn with me. We're going to read it together there. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Paul, this is his swan song, his last writing before he was about to be martyred for his faith. And verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. He said, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I want to be able to say that at the end of my life. How about you? I fought the good fight. You and I don't know. Paul knew, obviously, that, that his time was very short. You don't know how much time we have. But to be able to say at the end that I fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. That's powerful. That's very powerful. 
you and I need to keep fighting to fight the good fight. We need to, to, to just stay in there to the very last round. Again, I don't know when that's going to be, but he does. To flee, to follow, to fight the world, the flesh, the devil. We need to stay on. Keep on keeping on till we get to that final bell. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the powerful name of Jesus. We thank you that greater is he who lives in us than he who is in the world. We trust in the name of Jesus. We trust in, in who he is and what he did, that he paid the price by his blood that was shed, that, that he uh, gave his life. And he paid the price for my sin, the sin of all who would trust in him, the sin of the whole world, but especially for those who trust in him. That he was buried, that he rose from the dead, and by that resurrection defeated, conquered sin and death. We belong to him. If we have put our trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we belong to him, and, and we need not fear we need not be discouraged. Lord, we pray that you would remind us of the truth. That we would have this armor and that truth all buckled up around our waist to know the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. And that we would continue to fight. We wouldn't just lay down and, and give up, but we'd continue to fight till the last bell happens. Father, for some of us, we don't know. Some of us, it might be soon. For some of us, it might be many years down the road. We don't know, Lord. We don't know when you might return as well. We just read that, that those who long for his appearing. We, we look forward to that. We pray that it would be soon, Lord, that you, you would return soon. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, the Bible says. But in the meanwhile, Lord, help us to fight. I pray for any here this morning as well, Lord, that don't have Jesus Christ in their lives and in their hearts who have no way to fight, who just are part of the world. I pray for them today, Lord, that you would show them that you love them, that you died for them, that you rose from the dead, that you want to be a part of their lives and save them as well from certain future destruction. Lord, I, I pray and and. And if that's you this morning, you can simply call, up, call upon the name of Jesus and be saved and, and have hope by simply calling, calling out to him and saying, Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning and, and ask you into my life. I need you. I need the strength that only you can give. I need the forgiveness that only you can give. Please come in to my life today. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?